What's up, everybody? Welcome into Pace the Nation, broadcasting back here at Studio 1A in downtown Arlington, Virginia. Here we are in the beautiful heart of Arlington County. We're in Clarendon, of course. We are attached to the Pacers running store in Clarendon. I'm your host, Chris Farley, back again for episode 148, a big show to get to. And to get to that big show, to my right, of course, my co-host, Joanna Russo. Joanna, what's up? I drove myself today. You did? Yeah. With, with the big boot on? I took the boot off. Oh, you did? In no way was this a good decision. Ha, has it, was that the first time you took the boot off? Yeah. That was against doctor's orders, I'm sure. Of course it was. Oh, man. Is it worse for the wearer? Is it an issue? Is it... All right. Docs is raising his hand. Let's bring in our other co-host. Maybe he can help answer this. To our left, it's Williamy Docs. Docs, what's up? Wait a minute. Well, you don't always have to tell everybody. We're we're an audio program, so you don't have to tell everybody (laughs) the visual cues. True. That's supposed to be in the background so that you naturally just call me in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Uh, Second of all... Joanna, what foot is the boot on? My right foot. Oh, it is your right foot. Yeah. So why don't you just drive left-footed? Uh, That's got to be dangerous. Yeah, I don't think I could do that. Yeah. What do you think is worse, driving with a weaker left foot or your not natural left foot or um, driving with a weaker right foot? Um, so when I lived in Ireland and I had to drive in Ireland, you know, you drive on the opposite side of the road there. And Farley, this is like when you ask her what's up and then she just starts talking, <laughs> telling a story that she wants to tell. I, I, I can't wait. I mean, it's Ireland. only because Kieran O'Connor told us Joanna doesn't actually answer direct questions. Right. I, I never noticed that until Kieran brought it up. Well, now she's talking about bragging Ireland, about being in Ireland. Ireland definitely has a lot of, of different types of weather. So I don't know how she's going to tie it into the weather, but she well, will it's not the, it's not the, well, <laughs> well, we can get to the weather. Okay. But yeah. when, you know, I lived in Ireland for like okay. a year and I, and as much as I drove there, I never got used to driving up the, the opposite side of the road. So sometimes I'd literally be on like the American side. So what I'm saying Ooh. is I think if I tried to drive with my left foot, I would just automatically revert back. I'm just too much of a creature of habit. Yeah. Well, you know what? F- funny you mentioned that. My sophomore, before my sophomore year, you remember this, Docs? In college. Is this a story you already told on this show? Have I told this story? It's about about smashing your tracker. Oh, yeah. I I ran. Oh, yeah. yeah, We have. Head-on collision. The Uh guy was driving the wrong side of the road. Ah, terrible story. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, so that uh, that I already did tell. This story stories, would right? be great if you'd say, "I've got a story for that." Please, right. please refer to episode forty-four. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Thank you, Docs. All right. Well, we do have a big show to get to. But um, to, to be fair, Farley, just give us a quick summary for those that don't that, remember. Probably the only person who remembers this is is uh, Steve, who's been listening to all the old episodes. <laughs> That's right, Steve from Princeton. Um, I was cresting the hill in the Langley area. And as I got to the top of the hill, a uh, gentleman from uh, from Britain, I think, mm-hmm. was on the wrong side of the road driving on his correct side of the road. Mm-hmm. We uh, crested the hill at the exact same time, head-on collision. And uh, fortunately, uh, everything everybody was, was pretty much okay, mm-hmm. but my car was totaled. My cousin's car was totaled. Yeah. Yes. So, uh, yeah, that's that story from episode 44 or whatever it was. 
glad you stopped me before I went down that road. Before that you be told the story again. Yeah. <laughs> Problem with telling a story a second time on the podcast is that uh, it allows people the opportunity to see how much you fabricate. <laughs> That's true. By comparing That's two true. stories side by side. Right. All right. Well, speaking of stories, we teased one from last week. Uh, excited to hear Joanna's transportation story. And if it's not a good one, mm-hmm. embellish. You know, <laughs> I think. And, but don't tell it again. Yeah, but don't tell it again. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so we'll we'll get to that uh, probably uh, very soon here on the program because I know people are on the edge of the seat on their edge of the seat yeah. for that. Uh, That's what I heard. I uh, also want to touch on a, a road race that nobody, or not a road race, a race nobody finished. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about that. We've talked about that race in the past. Uh, I also uh, have a story of a high schooler who has uh, become a pretty good high school runner, and she's got an inspiring story, uh, somewhat related to Pacers, a uh, really cool story about uh, a Northern Virginia high school runner. Uh, also on today's program, excited to be joined on the phone by Ben Blankenship. Now, Ben is a uh, U.S. Olympian in Rio. He ran the 1,500 meters. He made the finals of the 1,500 meters in that Rio Olympics, and he's going to join us on the phone, and he's going to talk about his recent trip to Birmingham. Alabama? Not, not Birmingham, Alabama. <laughs> okay. Uh, a couple of his, his recent YouTube video interviews that I thought were interesting. Uh, and we'll also talk about his time here in D.C., that I, I think is uh, an life changing, yeah, important time in his life, um, and maybe even a road race that he ran. So we're going to get all that from the Olympian uh, Ben Blankenship, and Ben will be the third member of that 1500 meter team that has joined us on the program. So from, that's from Rio. From Rio, yes, mm-hmm. that's very. The other exciting. two being Matthew Centrowitz Jr. and Robbie Andrews. You got it. Yeah, mm-hmm. glad that glad that you you could uh, pay attention. Yeah, remember that. So. Uh, so a big show to get to. Oh, uh, let's instead of uh, me revealing that, let's let's make a contest. If you can tell us who the other two are, <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's we'll do a tweet that's pretty, pretty easy. Um, but uh, before we get to Ben, I, I did want to uh, touch on Joanna's transportation update that we teased from last week. Um, how many people <clears throat> tweeted you, mentioned you, like? What went on? Please, can you give me a little spoiler? Do you, how come, before, Tens, before dozens, you, hundreds? Before you don't answer that question, <laughs> Joanna, um, Farley, why do you always think that the form of communication with anybody will be through Twitter? That's true. Especially with somebody who is self-proclaimed not, not on doing Twitter. Twitter. That's true. Yeah. Even okay. though she has the memory on her phone to put it back on. That's true. I know. I keep forgetting to do that. Um, but Twitter's not on my phone. So if people had been tweeting me. I'm I, sure they were. Yeah, I didn't. They're dying to know the story. <laughs> didn't hear yeah. about Probably it. all 230,000 of our listeners. That's probably true. Um, well, we did tease it last week. Uh, you had a bit of a... <laughs> An odyssey. Yeah. Right. So, uh, yeah, go ahead and let the audience know. 
take them off the edge of their seats. Um, so as everybody knows, uh, I had surgery on my foot on March 6th. So that a right foot, the, my right foot, yep. mm-hmm. <laughs> which hasn't impeded my driving. Um, <laughs> but at that time I actually could drive. So my parents came down to DC and picked me up and took me back to their house in New Jersey. To now re- you, 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 you were plan you were not planning on them coming to pick you up. Um, you thought you'd be able to soldier through this by yourself without painkillers. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, well, my mom had, had kind of offered because she'd had the surgery before. So she she had offered to have me come home, but I thought I would be OK. But on day two, I was in a lot of pain um, and I felt like I was a burden to everybody around me because I really couldn't do anything. Right. So I thought that it would be better if I just went home and let my parents take and care of me. And a burden on your parents. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, exactly. They signed up for it. You know, not right, everybody did. else did. Yeah. Um, and Luigi would have a yard to run around in. So I just thought it would be a better mm-hmm. situation. And I also thought it would be good because like I've proven today, I'm trying to rush my recovery so i thought if i was in new jersey i couldn't mm-hmm. i wouldn't be able to do anything so i couldn't so now my, may i ask a luigi related question of course was he depressed up in new jersey Mm-mm. do you think that when you told us that he was kind of being mopey last week that was because you were back from new jersey and he didn't have his farm <laughs> to run around in anymore Could probably be. <laughs> okay i wish that you were more in tune with luigi uh like i am luigi's feelings mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. okay carry on Okay, so my parents came pick me up. Luigi's her dog, for anybody who doesn't yes, know. Right. <laughs> Any new listeners today? Um, so Luigi and I go to New Jersey with my parents, and then um, after a week in New Jersey, my dad is driving me home on Sunday back to D.C., and we get about halfway there so we're in southern new jersey when his car starts making funny noises so he pulls off of the turnpike into a random parking lot and his car dies Mm. so we're halfway between where we came from and where we need to go and he's trying to have his car towed and meanwhile i'm trying to call enterprise or any any car rental agency to get us back to dc or to get us back to my parents house and of course none of them are open because it's like one o'clock on a Sunday. All right, or where is this in New Jersey? It's We're in like Southern New Jersey. Southern somewhere. New Jersey. Okay. Yeah, I don't really know anything about Southern New Jersey. Okay, it was South. It's like Exit Five. That makes two of us. Okay, <laughs> that don't know anything about Southern New Jersey. But go ahead. Okay, I could tell you. I think uh, Satya probably used to live close to Exit Five. Oh okay. yeah, so Satya probably knows. I don't live near an exit, so the exits don't mean anything to me. But anyway, so okay. we're at Exit Five and can't find a rental car anywhere. Um, <sighs> Yeah, so we're we're kind of stuck there, and um, my dad has to go with his car because he's hoping it's like an easy fix. So mm-hmm. when the tow truck comes, the tow truck won't take Luigi and I because he's a dog. Mm-hmm. And my dad tried. <laughs> so why wouldn't he take you? Um, well, I I wouldn't leave Luigi. <laughs> well, you said he wouldn't take Luigi or I and I. Um, well, because we're a package deal. Yeah. Okay. So he wouldn't take Luigi and I. Um, and so my dad goes. He didn't like the boot. He didn't like the boot. Exactly. How long? Lo- let's ask another follow-up question. How long had you had that boot on without changing the dressings? Um, I don't see how that's relevant. <laughs> that might be reason not to let you in my car. <laughs> All right. Carry on. Fair enough. Um, So my dad goes with the tow truck to this place like seven miles away to see if they can fix his car pretty easily. Um, And then meanwhile, I've given up on a rental car. So I've called my boyfriend and I 
asked him to come pick me up. So he had just he just gotten home from working at a race, and then he had to get in the car and drive three hours north to come get me. You you asked Chris to come up there and pick you up. Yeah, he like he got up at five a.m. that morning, worked a race he, seriously, and he just gotten home and he just going for a nap, and then wow, <laughs> he came and got me. Um, I can't, I, uh, man. <laughs> I if I had if 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 I had asked Julie to come pick me up. Be careful what you say. I'm going to tell you, listen, three hours, 30 minutes away, I would have had a hard time. But three, she, wow. Okay. Julie, Julie would have sent you a pin location for the closest bus station. You, you know, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. All right. So you call. Call Chris. Yeah, he's obviously a really great guy. So Chris is on his way to come get me. My wow. dad's with the tow truck. And then I was um, stuck in front of this Holiday Inn um, and... It was really windy. There's like still snow on the ground in New Jersey and I was getting a little cold. So I move across the street where there is actually a bus station and I was waiting in like one of the little um, huts because right. it, we had shelter from the wind. Um, mm-hmm. And I made a video that I sent to you guys that we'll share yeah. with our listeners. That was a video? It was a video. Oh, it was a video. Yeah, it was a video. So we can share that with the listeners. Um, mm-hmm. So that's where I sat for about three hours waiting for somebody to come pick three me up. Three hours. Now let me ask you another question. Yeah. Uh, going back to your ride, do you think that uh, he didn't follow through and take a 15-minute nap? <laughs> um, I don't I feel like he came within the Farley? time. Oh, he definitely took at least yeah, 15 minutes. At least 15 minutes. <laughs> I agree as well. Uh, when, he, when he showed up, did he ever say anything like, oh, man, sorry, I'm 15 minutes later than you expected. Uh, there was a lot of traffic near Baltimore. Uh, no. Okay. But wow. I had told him I was only two hours away when I knew full well that I was at least two and a half hours away. Wow, here comes the embellishing. Mm-hmm. All yeah. right, there we go. All right, every good story needs a little bit of uh, white lies and embellishing. So that's, that's <laughs> they good. all need that's a little good. bit of white lies. Um, yeah. So what? There's two things that kind of just really put like a, a cap on the end of this story. So mm-hmm. about ten minutes before Chris arrived to pick me up. You know, Luigi and I are sitting there staring at the Holiday Inn across the street, mm-hmm. and we see a woman walk out with a dog. Mm-hmm. And so Lu- Luigi actually, like, we kind of look at each other because I'm sure he was like, "Oh, a dog!" And I was like, "Did a dog come out of the hotel?" And so I Google it, and sure enough, it's a pet-friendly hotel. Mm-hmm. I could have been inside the whole time. You could have. Well, should've. I mean, it, the pet-friendly means that you rent a room and your your pet can stay in the room. Doesn't mean I like would have considered that they want you. I would hey, definitely consider you would have rented the room. Yes. <laughs> For the three hours, for sure. Yeah, I could I could have taken a nap. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I was in a boot. Wouldn't they have felt bad for me and just let me sit in their lobby? You could have gone in the lobby and 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 told your second lie of the day. Yeah. What was my? You're, s- you're waiting on. Oh yeah. You're waiting on your friend. You could describe her too. You say, "Oh no, my friend's here. She's also got a dog. Uh, it's a whatever kind of dog that was." I should have done that. Yeah, it was yeah. a pit bull. Yeah. The, the only the only problem with that would have been like if she had walked back in. Mm. So. <laughs> So, how does Peter feel about this situation? Was there was stranding his stranding his daughter on the highway? And Peter in, in is Jersey? your dad. Yeah, he felt really bad. So he did his car couldn't be fixed that day. So mm-hmm. he came back and waited with me at the bus station. So we listened to like a lot of podcasts and just kind of like sat there. He felt terrible. How, how now, did he get home? Um, my mom had to come get him. <laughs> oh my god! He called Chris as well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> After you drop Joanna off in DC, yeah. come back and take me the other way. Um. Okay. And when here when I called my mom to to update her on the situation and also mm-hmm. tell her like she had to come get my dad and then I was like, "Well, Chris is coming to get me." And then she goes, "Is your car going to make it?" Wow. See, she knows. She, she knows. knows. She yeah. knows the deal. 
this is why I don't really drive or places. Or do people favors. Or I don't <laughs> do people favors. I, mm-hmm. I, I would not drive. Uh, I, I think the train is a good option. Um, but can you bring a dog on the train? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's Luigi true. complicated everything. Yeah. Because yeah. we really See, couldn't have rented a car either because you're not supposed to have dogs. Because they were going to, the, the one that was there trying to find a car, they thought they might have one. They were going to come pick us up. Mm. So I'm not sure how that would have worked with Luigi. So here, here's, another, here's another thought. Uh, w- your dad's car couldn't be fixed in one day. Mm-hmm. Was it fixed the next day? Was it ready the next day? Um, yes. So he could have gotten a room at the Holiday Inn and just stayed down there. You guys could have both taken a nap, gotten mm. a bed with uh, a room with two beds, uh, and then he would already be down there uh, when his car was ready. But they didn't know it was a dog-friendly hotel. I she did having... at that point. Well, we learned at that point. Yeah, I guess I didn't think about that. Mm-hmm. You just want to inconvenience Chris. I mean, well, that was literally six hours for Chris. It was. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, at that point, it didn't make sense for my dad to continue driving to D.C. Because he was going to drop me off and then turn right, around then and turn come around back and come home. Back. Right. No, I know, but if his car was going to be ready the next day, then then uh, neither your mother or Chris would be inconvenienced. All right. Well, it was a good bonding moment for us. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I feel like I that, feel like the uh, apple doesn't far, fall too far uh, from the tree in this case. Farley. The point point is is that you're just if if you're traveling with Joanna, yeah, it is in a car in a not, car. I have no, my mom, every time she flies, has like lost luggage, delayed flights. I never have any trouble on planes. It's mm-hmm. only on in cars. If you're traveling with Joanna in a vehicle. Well, it sounds like uh, yeah. that apple doesn't fall too far from yeah. that tree yeah. either. Seriously. Well, I um, I don't like driving. Um, that that sort of uh, validates my, my theory on how to get up and down the East Coast, uh, not by car. Traffic, <laughs> uh, there's... Uh, there's always some sort of accident or traffic or construction or whatever. Uh, so, you know, next time, I don't know, put your dog, you can fly with the dog. Just tell them you're blind or something like that. <laughs> it's a, it's a comfort dog. Yeah, exactly. So you can fly with a comfort dog, but you can't have a comfort dog on a train. Uh, maybe you can. I've never seen a dog on a train. I've never I seen a dog it. on a plane either. And I know that people fly oh, I've with seen, them. I've seen dogs on I've a plane I've seen them too. in the airport, but I've never Which, been on a flight with it. Because I, I see all these uh, things on Instagram and Twitter where people have like dogs Luigi size that are sitting in a seat next to them. I've yeah. never seen that. I've only seen the little guys under the seat. But it, And that's something else I don't understand. I'm allergic to cats, but people are allowed to bring cats on the plane. Hmm. But you can't have peanuts on the plane. People are allergic to peanuts. That's a fair point. Thank you. How did they decide, like, if you can bring a cat or dog? What if somebody was deathly allergic to a cat or a dog? And then you're trapped in this plane with them? I what know. do they do? Break out in hives. I don't know. Sneeze hmm. the whole way. Yeah. Maybe they put them in first class. Maybe I should say if I see a dog boarding see, a plane I'm, that I'm, I'm allergic. allergic to dogs. Yeah. yeah. Joanna's just going down all these paths <laughs> of lies. See? Yeah, exactly. You... Yeah. you uh, she broke the seal for yeah. lying, and now she's addicted <laughs> now she to is it. Compulsive. Now she's addicted yeah. to it. All right. Well, glad you made it safe and sound. Glad the family is okay and the dog's fine, and uh, everybody's good except for your foot. <laughs> <laughs> but that's getting better. All right. Uh, excited to be joined next by Olympian. How many Olympians have we had on this program? Too many to count. Uh, yeah, it's too it's many. It's a great to count. trivia it's gotta, question. It's got to be at least ten. 
Uh, but I'm really excited about the, our, our next Olympian to join us. Uh, he was in D.C. in 2012, barely even running. And now he's made it all the way back to making the Olympic team uh, in 2016, making the world indoor team uh, this year in 2018. And he's carved himself out an incredible professional running career. Uh, we're going to talk to him about that. We're going to talk to him about, uh, like I said, his time in D.C. and much more. Ben Blankenship, 2016 Rio Olympian, joins us next here on Pace the Nation. All right, welcome back to the program. And now, Docs and Joanna, we are excited to be joined on the phone by 2016 Olympian Ben Blankenship. Ben, how are you? Good, good. How about y'all? We are doing great, man. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Joanna asked before uh, you came on, where is Ben right now? And I think he's in Eugene, but where are you, Ben? I am. I'm in Eugene for basically another 24 hours. Okay. So my my partner and I are fitting in as much house chores as we can in a year in about four days. <laughs> nice. So we kind of have back to back crap going on all right. day. What where where are you headed next? Um, I actually go back to Flagstaff, Arizona, for a little while, and then off to kind of the early season uh, Diamond League, and then uh, back for. USA potentially, and then we'll see see how the season's going then. Wow, busy guy. Well, we appreciate again you making the time today. Um, I wanted to talk about your running, your recent uh, world championship performance. Uh, you know, some of the the, the Olymp- We'll talk some of the Olympics in Rio where you uh, performed amazing. Uh, but take let's take let's go back some. Um, I mentioned you, to you before uh, you came on that we did have Sean Graham on the on the the show here recently, um, and I believe Sean, when he came on, Docs, correct me if I'm wrong, Uh-oh. Sean said that he was part of the best high school team of all time. And if I'm not mistaken... It was the Spartans. No, the no, West no, it wasn't Spartans. the West Springfield Spartans. Oh. But I, if I'm not mistaken, oh. Ben, you went to the same high school as Sean? Not the same time, but the same high school. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we come from the same program. Wow. And the same coach. Yeah, that's that's amazing. So so Sean claimed that his team was the best ever to lace them up in cross country. What do you say to that? You know, I have a a weird running background. I only ran state cross country one year. Mm-hmm. Out of the four years I ran, I only ran one year. Wow. Um, so I definitely cannot claim any of the best talent coming out in terms of teams his team was pretty good you know it kind of sounds like an old man story like (laughs) you know he's like i walk both directions uphill both ways right oldest year ever you know sean's pretty old now he is so way older than me yeah so yeah you know? Yep. Well, he, that's uh, he, what it sounds like. he's, he's, he's a, uh, great guy doing a great job over at AU and he's a good connection. And probably the reason why you, uh, potentially ended up, one of the reasons why you ended up here in DC a, a few years back in 2012. Is that correct? Um, you know, it was kind of a combination of things. Uh, um, I was Dave and Jessica Gabriel. Um, we're still together. We've been together for a long time mm-hmm. and, 
she really wanted to move out to D.C. Um, post-grad school, and I really had nothing else going on. So I kind of joined her, and I wasn't really doing much running at the time. And it was just kind of a coincidence that, you know, Sean was coaching at AU or American University at that time, and he kind of just kind of looked me up and said, hey, do you want to come out? kind of help out or kind of run or do anything. And I said, sure, you know, I got nothing better going on at 6.30 a.m. I'd love to. Um, and I was pretty pretty much a year removed from school or team or kind of the whole running process. And kind of getting back into it, it was, it was, it was a really great fit for me at that time in terms of where I was at mentally and physically to kind of just jump into some really laid-back workouts and just kind of getting back to that mentality of okay you have something to go to at this time um running related and it really kind of helped me kind of get back into it and so this is 2012 and i believe before that ben you were working excavating i don't even know what that is excavating i i don't even know what it is maybe he can explain it in colorado it sounds hard it sounds like a lot of manual labor (laughs) You know, that's pretty much what I'm good at. I couldn't put pen to paper to save my life, but I can move some heavy shit once in a while. Uh, Yeah, so I I had a friend out there that kind of offered me some, you know, like you said, some money for some shit work. And again, I had nothing better to do. uh, So I took him up on it, made kind of a pocket full of cash. And, um, you know, Jessica kind of said, hey, do you want to come out? And I said, sure. So we drove out to D.C. together, and um, I kind of gallivanted around the country a little bit for a little bit and, you know, kind of ended up there. So I didn't spend that much time in Colorado doing much work, but I did enough just to get paid. Yeah, and, and I believe I, I saw an interview somewhere, Ben, that you, you didn't even watch that 2012 Olympic trials. Like, it wasn't even on your radar at that point? No, not really. I was. It was a really tough year uh, coming out of 2011, having run pretty well. Um, you know, I going into 2011, it was like you know, there's always a college kid that kind of sneaks onto the team um, just out of out of kind of sheer luck. And I, I'd run pre, I'd run pretty well. Um, I knew Russell Brown was going to be a big factor, and then. The way the heats drew at USA's, I ran really poorly, and I didn't make the final. Hmm. It was kind of a shot, and you know, I really expected a lot out of myself um, to make at least make the final, and at least to be in it, and right. then not even to make the final, and not to be even really, a, you know, on the map at that point. It was like, okay, what what the hell did we do here? Um, and a young Stephen Hass kind of took me under his wing a little bit and said, hey, why don't you go to Europe and get some experience and, you know, go try to try run fast. And that's what we did um, basically until um, August or something. Um, or maybe it was July. I can't quite remember right. the timeline. It was just before uh, uh, Daegu. Um, and I actually went home. Um, Tirana Leonard and I was kind of training at that point together in uh, Leuven, Belgium. And he kept saying, why don't you hang out, run this or-to-gym meet? Um, I think it'll go fast. And I was like, no, nah, man, I'm ready to go home. Like, it's been a long season. I'm tired. And then I was sitting in the Amsterdam airport, and he calls me. And he goes, hey, I just hit the world standard. I'm going to the world. 
And I was like, I'm real cool. Huh. Going home to drink some beer. Right. So I kind of kicked myself from that. And then a couple, couple weeks later, I started having a whole bunch of pain and kind of kind of stopped running. Wow. And just kind of kind of checked out. Until you yeah, exactly. until you moved and and Sean and and the crew at AU got you got you back going a little bit and then you ran and this is on your Wikipedia page Ben so it's got to be true yeah. the uh, two thousand uh, I mean the two thousand thirteen Crystal City Twilighter five um, k road race here in Washington D C where you won the road race and that's one of our road races yeah. we put on uh, so yeah talk, no, it was awesome talk about that that event. Oh, no, it was sweet. Um, I think you gave me my check. I did. One of my I first, did. <laughs> one of my first professional checks. Uh, so I was pumped. Uh, it was one of those things that just kind of worked out perfectly. Uh, I was really trying to get kind of back into racing, and it was like, why not? Why not instead of going for a temple run on the on the river trail or the Potomac Trail, just go run this race? I was like, yeah, let's do that. That'll be fun, you know? And I thought it would be pretty casual. Um, there was kind of a random Ethiopian, if yep. I remember correctly, who kind of gave me a lot of a lot of pressure the last, like, 800 meters. And I was like, man, if I lose this race, <laughs> I am for sure retiring. Um, but I did. So I thought... So the road diverged. The road diverged. So we can oh take credit. We can take credit for him. Uh, you know, continuing to run. Uh, that's 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 yeah. awesome. I heard. I heard that yeah, Ethiopian yeah. runner actually did give up running yeah, after that race. <laughs> God, I, if he, if you got beat by what I look like, then you'd give up too. <laughs> so, so you're in DC. You're running. Um, you're getting back in. You got Stephen Hass working for you. How do you end up yeah. like? How do you end up with Mark Rowan and the OTC group um, after kind of like y- y- you've admittedly said you weren't in a lot of you know great fitness. You were, ki- you were kind of washed up a little bit. Uh, so how do you end yeah. up, like? Do you go and sign up and try out for OTC? Like how does that work? Um, you know, it's it's kind of a long rambling story uh, in terms of how we got there. Uh, Mark was really interested. Uh, and we had a couple really good conversations back in 2011. And I didn't, I was a little bit naive back then, not knowing quite what I wanted to do with running. Um, you know, I had guys like Will Lear um, and Nick Willis, who I kind of traveled with in Europe. And that really gave me some good insight about, you know, what, what do you do as a professional athlete or a professional, you know, runner where there's not really set guidelines like mm-hmm. there is in other sports. Um, and I think all that stuff has gotten a lot better in terms of like the teams that have come out um, in the recent years. But back then it was a little bit of the wild west. You know, you kind of got a pocket full of money from the company and they said, Hey, you know, good luck at USA. And I, I hope you make a world team. And that's kind of how it worked. Uh, so I was a little bit naive about what I was going to do um, after 2011 and then when i got hurt obviously the whole story changed but coming out mark was really excited uh, and him and i had a couple good conversations like i said um and obviously i just never pursued him after i got hurt um and then in 2013 when i started coming back uh him and i had a couple good conversations and he said well why don't you come out and just see what happens for 
you know, a couple months and we'll go from there. Um, and him and I got all got along great and we're still working together until now. That's great, man. I mean, that is, that's a, uh, a really prestigious program. Like who are your training partners in that for our audience? Uh, let them know like the caliber of other runners in it. Yeah. Um, well, you know, the group has changed a lot, um, from now, from then to now. Um, you know, when I first got out here, it was like, um, you know, Nick Simmons was really the big name mm-hmm. out of the group. And he was a guy that I kind of like relied on a little bit in terms of, Hey, this is what it means to be kind of a good athlete. These are the 24 hours of the day, what I do to make myself better, if that makes any sense. Right. Um, and another guy that I took after a lot was a guy named Chris Thompson. He's a, a British athlete and he was really kind of a, kind of a good leader in terms of how he conducted himself as an everyday athlete and you kind of get stuck in this mentality of, you know, okay, we're going to do cross country, we're going to do indoors, and we're going to do outdoors. And now you've become a professional athlete, and it's like, all right, indoors is pretty pretty important, but it's really outdoors. Mm-hmm. So how do you change your mentality of, okay, we're going to get ready in November to run this big race. Okay, scratch that. You're going to get ready for a big race in June. And how do you not get excited all the way through through the winter when you're not racing all the time? And I think that's a really big switch. Um, so just kind of following in those guys' footsteps a little bit and just kind of understanding the mentality of an elite athlete um, really helped with those guys around. Well, you, you do have a kind of, a, I think, Ben, you got a really unique take on, and maybe it was sort of shaped by some of those guys you were surrounded by, but just the way that you're interviewed, the way that you're, you're the, the, the way that you kind of, you know, take your running. It's, it's, I think you're pretty hard. I'd say you're hard on yourself. Um, on a lot, a lot of times, like you said, it's didn't effing matter if I didn't make the team. Like, why are you so hard on yourself? Did it come from being around those guys? You're really like matter of fact, authentic, which I love, but where does that come from? Um, you know, I think it's, you know, I think there's a lot of arguments with, with, contracts and how elite athletes get paid and you know we everybody talks about these reduction clauses i'm i'm just kind of a guy who's always said you know you gotta perform mm-hmm. you're out here because you want to be the best and you want to conduct yourself at a world level and i've always thought to myself if, if i'm not making teams and i'm not as competitive as possible inside these races then what am i doing mm-hmm. um and everybody around around me has has sacrificed so much for me to pursue this, you know, this career that really is selfish. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, I go away for six to eight months of the year. I'm in all these crazy places, and people have to look after all my all my stuff. Right, and they have to sacrifice in terms of like, you know, wanting to participate. And the tough part about being a an athlete is a lot of the races aren't in North America. They're, they're everywhere. It's not like, oh, I'm going to be in Eugene seven, seven races out of the year. It's like, maybe there's two. There's maybe a USA's and, and there's the Prefontaine Classic. Mm-hmm. So there's just not many, uh, many opportunities for people in my life to come watch what I'm, what I'm potentially doing every day. Um, and I've always, I've always thought, 
you know, for me to do this, I have to make it worthwhile. I have to look back and say, okay, this is why I did it. So do you struggle? Do you struggle with it? I mean, do you, do you struggle with it and say like, is it worth it? I mean, everybody's sacrificing uh, and somebody's looking after your dogs and, and your stuff and all this stuff. I mean, it has got to be tough. Yeah. Um, right now, I'm, I'm so selfish that it just <laughs> it doesn't even phase me. Uh, you know, I talk and then I think, oh, I'm selfish enough that I got to go. Uh, no, so it's, it's tough in terms of, it's tough when you, when you fuck up. That's right. the tough part. When you decide to do something really stupid and it doesn't work, that's when it's tough. When it's all going pretty well or, or something stupid happens that you can't control, it's not so tough. But when you decide to do something stupid or you make some really poor decisions, you know, inside those races, those are the regrettable factors, at least right. for me. Well, there's not a lot of fluff. there's not a lot of fluff, and I really like that about Ben Blankenship. There's not a lot of fluff. You're not on Instagram and and social media and, and like I mean, you do have Instagram and and and, and Twitter. Um, and you ha- yeah. promote those uh, handles for me because I, I want people to follow you. Um, he doesn't I, even know him. Uh, my uh, <laughs> uh, my name my I'm just thinking I'm just making sure here. Uh, it's Ben F. Blankenship uh, on both. Gotcha. And I, I encourage our yeah. listeners to follow him because there isn't a lot of fluff. Yeah. You know, a lot of these athletes are, you know, making it uh, about uh, it, it's kind of a show where you're just business, which uh, I think really fits your attitude. And you're sort of an, uh, to me, an underdog um, in this kind of world of running against some pretty, hey, st- no. st- <laughs> pretty st- star athletes. Or, 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 or am I wrong? Uh, I, I I hope not. You know, I just listen to this thing about you know how people love underdogs. Mm-hmm. I'm not an underdog liker. It's like that just means the guy who was favored to win, you know, didn't do his job correctly, and mm-hmm. the underdog got to take advantage of something. So I'm hoping I'm hoping I'm not the underdog. You know, I always look at, especially when I was in college. You know, it was the Lopez, it was the Leo Manzano, constantly making teams. And we'd get to this, like, June, we'd get to the NCAAs, and we'd get to U.S. championships, and it was like, why are these guys making making the teams? And I kind of always noticed that these eighth and ninth place guys who were just kind of happy to be there mm-hmm. always said, well, they were in the best position. They were really lucky. Like, you don't make teams because you're lucky Every time you make teams because you're doing something right. Mm-hmm. You're doing something better than everybody else. Um, and getting out of the American system is tough. Um, but at the end of the day, the Leos, the Lopez, the Matt Sensuouses, Andrew Weedings did their job to the best ability they could. You know, Nick Simmons always was in the right place at the right time. And that just doesn't come back to luck. comes back to this idea that they knew what they were doing. Um, so I kind of look at that as like, if they don't make the team, it's not because it's not because of luck. It's because they have something up. So I'm not really an underdog liker. No, I hear you, man. Sense. And I, I mean, hey, you've you made the Olympic final. <laughs> There's not many American men in the 1500 who can say they made the Olympic final. So I'd say, yeah, I apologize. I or didn't in this f- room, or in this room. No, no, no. no. <laughs> 
Um, no, it's all good. But, well, and I wouldn't use the word underdog. Okay, right. I would I would say that, Ben, you come off as, <laughs> as much tougher than um, – it seems like a lot of professional runners are very coddled and they, yeah. they're they always, like, napping that's what, that's, or you. doing massages. And he's probably doing that, too, but he just doesn't come off as Well, bad. I think there's a tweet out there that, that says, like, when Ben Blankenship isn't training, he's chopping wood. Right. Is that true? I. Uh, probably not. No, I kind of <laughs> live the life of leisure. Let's be honest. <laughs> Professional athlete. Yeah, we're 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 not going to cry for him. He's got a pretty good life. Um, no, I'm I'm hanging in there. Yeah, no, no, no. You're doing an awesome job. And I wanted I wanted to go back to the Olympic trials in 2016. Uh, you were third place. You uh, beat the Olympic silver silver medalist uh, Leo Manzano uh, down the stretch to make that team. Um, well, take me before that, that, that Olympic trials finals in 2016. When did you realize, man, I got a good shot to make this thing? Uh, about 200 meters to go. I thought I had a pretty good shot. <laughs> uh, and I think maybe this is the one thing that, that kind of separates me. I, I didn't really grow up having this idea of becoming an Olympian. Right. Um, not to say that my parents, you know, weren't into the whole Olympic or athletic movement. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just never something that I thought about. It was never something that I really like thought, man, that's what I want to do. I want to become an Olympian. It just was never on my radar. Um, and really until 2015, I had never really thought about it. 2012, I, I didn't really participate in any kind of, you know, Olympic movement. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't until 2015 that I really thought, okay, here's my shot to kind of make a team. It was like 2015. We want to be really competitive. We want to, we want to do our job and put it out there. And we did that. And I came up short. Leo ran a really good race and hit a few really good steps at the, at the end of the, at the end. And, and still beat me. And this was 2015 for worlds. You were, where, where where were the worlds that year? Uh, I think Moscow. Yeah, that's right. It was Moscow. That's right. Okay. Um, but I was, I was disappointed. I was really disappointed at the time. And now I look back and I thought, man, I, I did kind of everything. There was a couple dumb things I did at the time, but I did everything right leading into it. And I just wasn't good enough. Mm -hmm. Um, and then 2016 rolled around and it was like, okay, here's, it's kind of now or never like, you know, the month leading up to 2015 went really well. The month leading up to 2016 went really well. Now, if I don't make the team, what are you going to do? Like, Go back you, to you Colorado and excavate. Now. Yeah. I mean, excavation yeah. expert. Yeah. Or uh, we are doing, we do have the Crystal City 5Ks coming we, up. We do, we do yeah. <laughs> exactly. Back into that. Go exactly. defend your title. So, so, yeah. so you've really felt a lot of pressure then. Yeah. You know, more, probably not as much pressure as I thought it would be. Mm -hmm. You know, I thought, you know, I could see a lot of people when we were going through the rounds, you could kind of see them have this like reality check of, man, this is the Olympic trial. This is my life. This is my childhood dream. Mm -hmm. And it just wasn't that for me. It was like, it's kind of my shot to kind of do something with it this is my shot to kind of put myself on the map. It wasn't something deep desire that like I'd been thinking about for the last 20 years. Mm-hmm. It was just something that I wanted to do well in this moment. 
Do you think that approach helped you? Uh, I don't know. Um, truthfully, I don't know. I, I, I don't know how much more it would matter between the two. I think both have a lot of pressure, but I think a lot of people build it up to something that it's not. It's still 1,500 meters. It's still a race that you have to run well, but it's nothing more than that. Well, you did make the team. Um, it was an awesome race. Uh, you, you did, like you said, with 200 to go, you thought you had a shot, and you did uh, You did outkick out Leo Manzano making the team, and then you get to Rio. What was that experience like? Um, Rio was a really interesting experience. Uh, you know, kind of leading into the trials, the one thing I decided going into it was if I, I don't want to just make the team, I don't want to be one of the first, the first time Olympians who build it up to something and then they get to the games and all that emotional energy was lost at mm-hmm. the trials. Yep. I want to make sure that I go, I go represent my country and represent myself to the best of my ability. And the, one of the things that I decided was we're not going to necessarily put everything into the trials. We're going to kind of build through it a little bit. And I don't want to say that like I tapered or I, I didn't do everything I could, but I wanted to make sure that when I, if I got to Rio, I was in the best position I could That's be. That's awesome. Um, so, you know, we ended up not going into Rio until a couple days before the first round. Um, and the whole experience was really good. Um, it was a bit strange. Our first round was at like, 10 a.m. Oh, I think so I remember um, that it was awful. Like it was terrible TV time. Yeah, well, for, <laughs> to making it about me, it was terrible TV time. But yeah, so probably yeah, an empty was, stadium, right? Exactly. Oh. You know, everybody was like, "Oh man, you're not going to like." We had to do these like debriefs with the USATF um, and the USOC, who are like the media coverage at the Olympics is crazy. Right. You'll never believe it. And then we got there, and it was like. A high school right, meet. This is what you, we've been. Yeah, like this is what we've been talking about. It's 10 a.m. There's five people in the stadium. It's <laughs> it's insane. Um, so it's kind of lackluster. And my first round was awful. Like my first round almost ended the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, we kind of went into it like almost everybody's going to qualify through our heat. We were the last heat. Um, all we had to do was run 3:39. Um, and I thought, I can jog 339. And then we got out there, and I was like, oh, fuck, I ain't going to make it. Like, we're running really hard. We're not running that fast. Uh, everything feels really shitty. Mm. Um, but it kind of woke me up. It was like, okay, then you got to get your shit together. you got to start running better. Um, and each round got better and better. Um, really, my second, probably my best race ever um, in my career was probably that second round in Rio. Um, it was a hard heat getting through and I really look forward to it. You know, people thought, okay, they might redraw it because of how our heat got stacked. Mm -hmm. And I kept saying, I don't want to redraw. I don't want to redraw. I want to be in this heat. If I make it through this heat, it means I deserve to be in the final. And that's how I kept looking at it. I'd rather be knocked out in this heat than be in an easy heat and make it to the final. Like, let's do this. And I was really excited about that. Um, 
and I made it. It, it was a tough heat. Um, with like 100 meters to go, I thought, oh, fuck, I might win this. Wow. Everybody might, else might be looking around saying, okay, I'm okay, I'm in second, okay, I'm in third, and it'll be those last few spots that kind of change around, but I might be safe here. And then Asbel came around really hard, and I thought, fuck, I might not make this. <laughs> You've got to keep your shit together. Right. Uh, and I did. I, I took one of the big Q spots and get in, and we found our way into the final. And you're one of, and then the final. Yeah, I mean, and that's amazing. I want to just take a moment to make the Olympic final after two rounds like that is just incredible. So you got to be really proud of that. But it sounds like it was just all business again for you in the final, right? Uh, Yeah, yeah, you know, the final is probably one of those races that I, I regret a Mm -hmm. lot. Um, I look back on it and I think you you had this really big opportunity and you didn't do anything with it. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of the one of the maybe the only opportunities to do something and you didn't mm-hmm. <laughs> you kind of squandered it mm-hmm. um and i think about that all the time um because there was a lot of moments where i could have done something mm-hmm. and i decided it would be way better to be fourth or fifth or sixth mm-hmm. than last right that's and what, now i look back on that that's what so you far. were thinking mid-race uh yeah a little bit there was there was those questions of going into it like where do you want to be? Do you want to be a guy who tries to do something, you know, outlandish and gets away with it? You know, comes up with a medal, uh, a medal because you did something nobody else was ready to do. But that could also get you, you know, 10th, 11th, sure. 12th. And that was more likely, you know, in the odds of it, you're going to end up back there if you tried to do something crazy. And I kept thinking about what do you want to do? And I kept thinking it would be better to be a top five than to do something stupid and be 10th. And, and, and um, in these races, Ben, I mean, it's got to be like, it was so slow. Like, you, you, unfortunately, you probably have a lot of time and a lot of, like, ability to think. <laughs> probably think too yeah. much, right? Because you guys are running, I, I don't remember what, maybe the 72nd quarter or something like that. I mean, it was something yeah. ridiculous, right? Yeah, and I think the big thing, like, people think, oh, you're going to have all this time because we are jogging really slow. But, it also goes by really quick, mm-hmm. and those fleeting moments of, like, I'm going to go do something pass really quickly, and it's like, okay, we're here. And the big question everybody keeps asking, even after, you know, this world indoors, is, like, why is it so slow? And I think it always comes back to this idea that none of the men are head and shoulders better than the rest. Right. We don't have a Dababa. We don't have somebody who's that much better. You know, I think... I think you look back in the history of a lot of races, and there was always somebody who was better. You know, you look at David Radisha. He was better than everybody else. Right. It was his race to lose. And in the men's 15, maybe it was Asbel, but I don't know if Asbel had that much confidence going in. He had been beat a couple times that season, and he was really looking for that gold. And it's like, nobody's that much better than everybody else. There's some people who were definitely better than others. But majority of everybody was on an even playing field. Doesn't the fifteen hundred? Doesn't that also have a history of of uh, the the favorite not not meddling or not getting the gold? Uh, potentially, I don't. I can't speak on that. All right, sorry. Yeah, I. I, I mean, <laughs> no I, problem. I, I do. I do think there was times when you know El Garouche. That's what I was thinking. And yeah. Oradin Morsley. Yeah. Morsley. You know, they they didn't meddle, but I do feel like they were dominant. 
um, except for the Olympics. Yeah. So it, it, yeah. But I would totally agree with you. Like I remember watching that race, man. And I'm thinking Ben could medal for sure, hundred percent. You could medal, but anybody well, in the could, race could yeah, medal. Well, that was the thing. Yeah. So can can yeah. you talk us through the race real quick? Like, I mean, you yeah. you you said you've you've played this back several times. Like what, what, yeah. what are, what are some of the things that you wish that you had done? Um, you know, when we, there's, there's a moment where we have like 700 meters to go. Um, and it's kind of central and I up in front and it sounds stupid now. It sounded stupid then, but I wish I would have just gone. I mm-hmm. wish I would have just said, well, hell with it. I'm just going to start running 56, something that you're capable of doing, um, and maybe it would have been too early again. Uh, I've seen me do that in the past, but at least maybe you would have, you would have tried something. Um, and not to do anything really, really kind of kills me. You know, it's like everybody's kind of bouncing around for position. You're jockeying and you're waiting for somebody else to go. And I wish I would have been the guy who said, I'm going now. We'll see what happens. Well, you ended up in eighth place. Nothing, nothing to be ashamed of, man. Way better than any of us ever have done in the Olympics. <laughs> right, right. Um, and, and, and it had to give you some confidence going into uh, 17 and 18. And I, I want to touch on 18 here. Um, you made yeah, we Birmingham. Can, we can breeze right, right over 2017. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I actually, you know what? Now that you, now that you say that, I, I do want to touch on one race in 2017. In Alaska, oh, let's do it. Alaska. Ah, um, you know, I saw a great video. We'll tweet out the link of, of a video that I think Run Gum maybe produced a uh, twenty minute yeah. video slash movie of you and a bunch of milers who go to Alaska and try to set the fastest mile run on Alaskan Alaskan soil. And this was twenty seventeen. And did you run two races in the matter in the span of four days? Uh, yeah, it might have been three days. I can't remember. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, Trevor Dunbar is the backbone of it. It was kind of his idea. He wanted to bring some elite athletes back to his hometown Mm -hmm. of Kodiak, Alaska. Um, and really it was just kind of a group of friends, um, kind of collaborating and going up there and saying, okay, let's do this. Let's, let's give it a run. Um, and the first day, I will tell you, when we were out there doing strides, it's like, this is not going to happen. <laughs> there is no way we're going to be able to do it. Yeah. It was probably 30 degrees, and you might as well have been in a wind tunnel. Yeah. So it's windy. So it's crazy windy uh, for your first attempt. And the, the record, I believe, was, what, 350? It was, it was under four minutes, right? Yeah. It was Jeff Bolas did it back in 2000. 11 potentially mm-hmm. somewhere in that era uh, but he did it indoors it was inside a dome right. on like a 410 meter track so you take it what it is you know it's really cool they went up there and kind of did it solo but it's also on an oversized track in perfect weather um but we still want to run faster outdoors you know in the elements mm-hmm. and to, to all go up there and try to do it was kind of a cool idea. And it was just also a, also an opportunity that, that you don't always get in terms of you're going somewhere, but you're also going to spend three or four days somewhere you've never been doing some cool stuff. You know, we were able to go fishing one day. We were able to go see a lot of, like, the Alaskan Outback. Mm-hmm. 
and that was a really cool opportunity to do. And and I really, you know, give Trevor a lot of props on it in terms of putting it all together. And it was just, it was just seamless. And it looked like you guys were we really bonding off. and having a great time together. Although I was, it, as yeah. a Minnesota guy, I was, I, I wasn't impressed with your, your, your fishing. <laughs> I, I, hey, I, I come thought, on now. I thought you would be the guy. Yeah, I might have been. Well, they just, probably you know, cleverly I edited kind of out. Taking it all in, right? Yeah, they, that's, taking it all. In. That's true. That's true. Are you you you're blaming the edit or? I, I'm or? I, I'm not sure. He was it probably. Could, it could be the edit. I mean, they can't true. show you twenty four seven. Could be. It yeah. could. I mean, you know, yeah. every time they showed the, the the Super Bowl in Minnesota this past year, everybody was was fish, ice fishing. Ice fishing. So mm-hmm. I just figure Ben would be just a master fisherman, mm-hm. and I didn't see him yeah. pull anything out. So. I don't know. Could have been edited. Uh, you know, Could have been he wasn't could focused. Could have been edited. Who yeah. knows? So, Who knows? Um, but you did run the second time. So you ran and you broke four minutes, I believe, the first time, correct? Yeah. Um, unfortunately, my big thing is never get to beat, get beat by Kyle Merber. And then he beats <laughs> me. Um, unfortunately, um, and it was a great run from him. Yeah. I mean, just fantastic. Uh, and... It was sweet to be able to check that box off. It was like, all right, we've broken four, perfect, but we didn't get the record. Right. Um, so we have another attempt, but at least we broke four. At least we did that. Um, and the crazy part was we all showed up probably 70 minutes out from the race, maybe 80 minutes out from the race, and there was not a soul around. It was like... We have shown up at Area 51, and there is nobody here. It's like the Rio, I, first, I was say, yeah. the Rio first round, right? Yeah, it was yeah. like the Rio fire. So I was totally in my element. I was like, guys, right. you, you didn't miss out on anything. Right. This could be Rio. Right. You know, you, you put a bigger uh, venue up, and this is Rio. Right. But we go to warm up. We go do our thing. We get out to the track, and probably eight minutes from gun time, people start just flooding into the stadium awesome and the the high school stands fill up and the energy immediately comes up and in that in that process was just really cool to kind of be part of um for trevor to kind of set it all up and then we had our second opportunity in kodiak and kodiak was really nice but the weather did not cooperate it was really cold it pretty much rained on us the whole time we were out there but we were able to run fast. Yeah, and Ben did run fast. And, and, and again, we'll tweet out the link to the video. Very cool video slash movie. He runs 357, sets the fastest time ever run on Alaska soil for the mile. So uh, yeah. you, you can um, you can go to your grave knowing that uh, you have that. And I don't know how soon that's going to be broken. Well, that is an I awesome mean, time. Yeah. <laughs> probably, probably pretty soon. You know that? Crystal City, Twilight, probably have both records. I'm pretty satisfied. <laughs> yeah. That's right. All right, so moving on to 2018, uh, you, you make Birmingham, and, and we'll tweet out some of I love some of the flow track videos where, again, Ben Blankenship, brutally honest, said it would have been an effing disappointment, a waste if he didn't make the team. Uh, but you do make the team, and um, – I wanted to, to, to ask you about uh, the conversation you had about uh, your age. Um, I, I, oh, I know, God. I, I know we're, we're probably not going to get to the bottom of this here on, on Pace the Nation, but uh, I believe that you, you, uh, you make the team, and, and where was that? In, in New Mexico? Is that where you're running? 
yeah in new mexico um and then you say you know similar to what you said you know this is a selfish pursuit if if i'm not making teams it's not worth it you know i'm i'm in my my 30s 38 years old and on wikipedia it's all over the place so are you willing to come on the record here and say how old you are you know right now i just this is kind of the only thing I got going for me, <laughs> this idea that nobody knows how old I am. And if mm-hmm. I would have known that it's this easy to get famous, I would have just done this <laughs> from the get-go. All right, so we're not going to break news, but break the news. But he's somewhere between, I think, 28 and 38. Because I think he said he or was... 26. 30. I could be young. You could, <laughs> could be. Um, but you, you did say, and I mentioned your grave. You mentioned that uh, you'll have to just wait to your tombstone. So when you had to, when you when we read your tombstone, hopefully it will be Alaska champion, Crystal City Twilight champion, and um, yep. And and, and I might and, just leave it as like CCT. You know what people think about that? Right, one. Crystal City twilighter yeah um so you did uh you you perform very well at at the indoor trials and then go to birmingham not birmingham i thought it was birmingham alabama for a little bit but no mm-hmm. not birmingham oh alabama. come on now <laughs> no you go to birmingham Expand your horizon <laughs> I, know, I know i do need oh, to oh yeah that's a that's a hopeless pursuit yeah. trying to get farley to expand <laughs> his horizons so so birmingham um and you perform very well there too yeah, you know, this season was one of those ones where it was, you kind of look back on it, and it was kind of boring. It was kind of like, we knew what we wanted to do, and we did it. You did it all. Yeah. Too, too much success. Yeah. We've all been there. <laughs> no. yeah. Yeah. You know, it was just kind of one of those things where, it, you know, everything kind of came together, but there was no like, oh, this is fantastic. It was just, it was what it was. Um, and we got through it. Um, again, we kind of, you know, we kind of jogged through the final. Um, and I think everybody kind of knew that that was what was going to happen. I thought maybe having two Ethiopians in there, they might do a little bit of teamwork. Um, and they didn't. Um, so it was what it was. We, we raced to kind of our best ability. Um, we came up a little short. Um, and it is what it is, I guess. I, I don't, I don't know what more I can say on that one. Well, it was, I mean, being, being, uh, successful, uh, is, is, uh, you know, Hey, that's not, there's nothing to be ashamed of there doing what you wanted to do the indoor season, man. Um, yeah. So you've got, you you mentioned you've got uh, a number of, of things coming up for the outdoor season. Um, Let's talk a little bit about the future before we get you out of here. We're going to get you out of here soon. Okay. So, um, okay. you, you, uh, you've got a full slate of, of, of races to head to after we get off, like literally after we get off this interview, he's kind of skipping out of town. Mm-hmm. Um, are you, yeah. are you, are you planning on training till 2020? I mean, is that in, is that part of your long-term goal or are you just looking at it a year at a time? You know, I, I, Running is one of those things where I think it's really tough to make any long-term goals. Um, I think think your body goes through an ebb and flow process of getting into it and getting out of it. And I always try to say, I want to do this as long as I can be competitive. And I don't know what level that is. Um, so if I can keep showing up to races and keep being competitive, I'll be happy. I just don't want to be a guy who shows up and he's happy to be in it. I always want to show up and say, 
God damn it, I put myself in it to win it, and that's who I am. Yep. So until that changes, we'll, we'll still be out there making mistakes. Well, you were eighth, eighth at the Olympics, fifth in the world this, this year, indoors. Uh, is there world championships outdoors this year? Uh, no. no. So it's a really strange year yeah. for us Americans. There's Commonwealth, there's mm-hmm. Europeans, but there's nothing for us North American guys, or at least Americans. Canadians go to Commonwealth. So we're kind of just hanging in and seeing what the season so is. So is USA's a big deal to you? I mean, because I, I think you're a favorite to win it. You know, is that, I mean, I'd say it's a big deal, right? I, yeah, I don't, you know, I haven't even thought that far ahead yet. Mm-hmm. I, I think it really comes down to last year was kind of a strange one, how they re, they kind of reformulated um, how the Diamond League works, mm-hmm. how you have to earn points to get into it. Mm-hmm. Um, and last year I wasn't in the Diamond League final. Um, and I, and that was one of the things that I just, I just hated about last season. It was like, fuck, you didn't make the team. You don't make the Diamond League final. Right. What the hell are you doing? Right. Um, so I really want to do that. That's one of my big, I think one of my big goals, if I put it out there, is, hey, we want to make the Diamond League final. We want to be competitive in that. And I think that's really the last thing, or the really the, the big thing for us Americans to do. Um, so I don't know where USA falls. I haven't looked, I haven't mapped the Diamond League schedule and where USA falls. There's a few races I've always wanted to do. Um, Oslo, Dream Mile being one of them. I'd like to do that race. And that usually falls right around USA. So we'll kind of see where it is. All right. Well, we'll, we will have to follow along with you. Uh, We're looking forward. Our listeners are looking forward to seeing how you do. It's going to be a great season. Um, I am sure. Um, But a couple last things from me before we get you out of here. One thing I can can relate to 100% and, and have a, a much, much love for uh, dogs. And the other thing I can't relate to, oh. but let's start with, with do-, do you have a couple dogs and what kind of dogs? Uh, we have a blue tick coon hound. Nice. I got a, I got a German dog. short hair pointer. I mean, it's basically the same dog. They're crazy. Yeah. Do, do you run with your uh, coon hound? I do. Yeah. That's, uh, she loves it. She goes, she ebbs and flows. Some days right. she loves it, some days she hates it. But it's amazing. If I could be as fit as she can be from zero training, I'd be so I'd be the best. <laughs> like, literally, I would win everything. So true. All right, so you so, got the blue tick coon hound, and then what's the other dog? A uh, miniature dachshund. All right, so that one you're not running she, with. You know, at seven to eight pounds, she <laughs> she is a force. I'll tell you that. That's awesome. So if there was if there was like a way you could convince her that a hundred meters, she could just run a hundred meters. She'd get all the treats in the world. She would beat anybody. <laughs> she, she'd beat Bolt. So, um, all right, so that. She would, I- So that I can relate to your love for dogs. The thing I can't relate to is how you're handy. You mentioned how you can fix things, how you, you're, you're not much of a scholar, but you can, well, I'm not much of a scholar either, but, 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 but you are like, what is, what do you fix cars? Like what, what do you, do you, do you tinker with stuff? Like what is the best Uh, thing you fixed? Oh, I, I, don't, I don't know about that. Or what's the most manly thing you've done? Because I just can't relate. Manly? Uh, man, I don't, I don't know. He's an excavator. I, let's talk about how do, you, how do you 
Chris, how do you define manly? Yeah, it's good point. Talk about that. Grow things, that beard like uh, you've got. I, I would describe uh, manly as things Farley does not do. That's probably true. That's yeah. a good start. Oh, God. I don't, man, I have no idea how to answer that. See, he's, uh, mostly he, it's shit we break that we're too broke to pay somebody else to fix. <laughs> uh, See, it is, know, it's this I, image of him being this, he's really living this, like, but, pampered life of the professional athlete. He really trust is. Me, I, I'm, I, trust me, I am. That's not I, the perception. You were married to us. I know, yeah, that's camp. true. She lived a pampered life. She, no question, she lived a pampered life. Still yeah. does, lived in my or opinion. Lived yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. um, Well, if, if you don't want to answer that question, can you just talk about your beard for a bit? If, hey, if we're trying to relate with each other here, poorly growing. Is it growing? Is it growing? Patchy and poorly growing. That's poorly. That's okay. Me. Well, Docs has got a massive beard mm-hmm. that uh, we, we talked about earlier on the show, so he can relate there. That's I, awesome. I, I, I can't grow one myself, so. All right, oh, neither can I. Well, you 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 make a good effort. You do a good job of efforting I, it. Yeah, so. kind of a poor man's beard. I I uh, I I take it, man. <laughs> All right. Well, we, we very much appreciate the time. Uh, you, you know, we know you're off uh, to, to travel and, and, and get your outdoor season uh, started here. What What is the next race? I think you mentioned it before. What's the next race where we could see you? Uh, tentatively, it would be uh, Shanghai uh, down the league. Got it. Tentatively. Okay. Awesome. So, okay. I always like to put stuff in parentheses. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. Well, enjoy uh, Shanghai, China, China, right? China. All right. Enjoy China. Not Shanghai, Alabama. No, not (laughs) Shanghai, Alabama. All right. Enjoy uh, the outdoor season. Um, Give him a follow. uh, Ben F. Blankenship on uh, Instagram and and Twitter. Uh, Give him a follow. He's going to be our listeners' uh, new favorite uh, U.S. athlete. Uh, Thank you so much. Really appreciate the time, Ben. Hey, thank you, and thanks for the palaver. Absolutely, man. All right, there he goes. Ben Blankenship, he's a 2016 U.S. Olympian. He joined us on Pace Nation. We are going to take a quick break and be right back after this. All right, welcome back to the program, and thanks again to Ben Blankenship for joining us here on Pace the Nation. Ben F. Blankenship on Instagram and Twitter. Give him a follow. A must follow. Not a lot of fluff. Just the real stuff you want to see. Um, really enjoyed that. I was really looking forward to that interview. And it, it made, it was, uh, all my dreams come true. Hit every single expectation I had. Wow. Uh, yeah, so thank you to, again to Ben. How old do you think he is? He said it was between 26 and 38. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw Wikipedia 32, and then it changed to 28. So it, it I don't looks think like he's 32. I, it, I think it might be 28 at this point. Um, I think 28 is a good guess. Yeah, I think I think so too. Uh, but we'll never know. We'll never know. I I, I really enjoyed uh, his his comment about his tombstone as he ran away, um, and and I think that's the reason. I uh, or, or I think we maybe mentioned that a few weeks ago, and then we got on this tangent of Tombstone, and you know, anyways, mm-hmm. you know how this show goes. But uh, yeah, so I, I I I'd say either twenty eight, twenty nine, thirty, somewhere around there. So I guess we'll never. Joanna, know. what's your guess? Um, 
realistically i think probably like 28 but just for like the sake of the bit i'm gonna go like 36 <laughs> 36 yeah that would be awesome I know that he's older than me, so uh, <laughs> he could be anywhere in that range, that's 26 true. to 38. Yeah, that's, that is true. Um, all right. Well, it was great to have him on. Um, you know, he, he mentioned uh, the Crystal City Twilighter was a turning point. I just want to reiterate that. Uh, turning and point the is Crystal City career. Twilighter can be a turning point in your yeah, writing exactly, career as well. Exactly. <laughs> and this podcast, of course, of course, is sponsored by Pacers Running. Pacers Running with five area DC locations. Pacers Running is for every run. We also have our store in Princeton, New Jersey, 7 Palmer Square, uh, where our manager Steve continues to plow through the Pace Nation episodes. Uh, yeah, and you mentioned the Crystal City Twilighter. You can sign up for the Crystal City 5K Fridays. A uh, little different course, but... You can relive some of the Ben Blankenship magic out there uh, every Friday in April. You can you hey, you can sign up for the July Crystal City Twilight 5K right now uh, as well. Maybe you will be the next Ben Blankenship if you sign up. All right, I mentioned earlier that there was a uh, high schooler who I wanted to note. And is this a story about me? No, it's <laughs> it's not. It is a Northern Virginia high schooler, and you were a Northern Virginia high school runner at once, uh, but it's not you. Uh, this story is about Mackenzie Watkins. Uh, she is a up-and-coming new stud runner. Uh, I'd say a, she's not a new runner. She's a junior uh, in Potomac, uh, Virginia, and she is coming into her own in uh, the longer distances. She's co- she competes in the 3,200 meters mostly. Uh, she is sort of of note because uh, her dad was a, a very good runner who passed away three weeks after she was born in 2000. Uh, he died tragically in an ATV accident. Uh, and it's sort of related to Pacers running because her dad, Brian Watkins, uh, who was a former distance runner, who ran for Pacers back in 1998, 1999. Uh, I started working for Pacers in 1999, and I remember meeting Brian one time when he came to get, get shoes. Uh, so his daughter, Mackenzie, uh, was uh, three weeks old when, when Brian died. Mm-hmm. And she has now just gotten into running and just ran 11 minutes um, and the two mile and an early season race. Uh, we'll tweet out a story from Milestat, a really cool story about uh, Mackenzie Watkins and, and her dad, Brian. Uh, every year there is a Brian Watkins invitational two mile in Potomac, uh, Maryland at Potomac High School. And she presents the awards for that uh, event. And this year she was competing to win it. And she came in second place. Uh, but she was the, the runner-up in this, in this event, the Brian Walk, Watkins Invitational 2-Mile, uh, which was very cool. Um, I would have liked her to have won the race. It would have been really cool if she'd mm-hmm. won the race, but she's still got another year to win it. I uh, hope she wins it next year just for the award ceremony alone. Which, yeah, which they Where noted, they, they noted with, in this that it, would be, it was kind of weird that the runner-up presented the award to, mm-hmm. the, uh, to the champion of the, of the race. Uh, but very cool story that uh, the guys over at uh, Milestat, Brandon Miles, who we've had on this program before, uh, he he did the story, and I was I was glad that he he did that story because I think it's a 
it's a really neat family, um, tragic story, and it, it's really great to see this Mackenzie doing really well. So I just wanted to note that, um, and uh, we'll tweet out the link at Pace the Nation on Twitter. Uh, Mackenzie Watson, Mackenzie Watkins, uh, continually inspired by the memory of her father is the name of the Milestat article. All right, I wanted to get an update from you, Docs. Um, you uh, mentioned to the audience that uh, you were raising money for pediatric cancer yes. last week. and St. Baldrick's Foundation. We, we had a couple listeners who donated, so mm-hmm. really, really big props. Appreciate oh, yeah. everybody I, who donated. Thank you to everybody who donated. I think that uh, we'll get a lot more donations after Farley finally donates. And I, I wanted to do that right now. I'm going to go online right now and donate uh, let me go to the website, and I wanted to do it on air mm-hmm. um, because on tape delay. Well, yeah, it's they'll hear it on Monday. It's fine, mm-hmm. uh, but I wanted to make sure to do this on air because I think we get more publicity uh, for you know why? Why do I tell them the secret sauce? You're 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 donating on air uh, so that uh, you can get credit for making the donation. No, I want content. I want content, and I want to t- be able to talk about it. And I think there's uh, a, to, to, to make it a story to talk about, there's got to be some sort of action. So my action is donating. So here I go donating. Um, but I do like the angle of you saying that I wanted credit because, you know, mm-hmm. I kind of do want credit too. <laughs> so can I get some credit here? I'm going to. It's the St. Baldrick's uh, Foundation. Is that right, Docs? Yes, Saint Baldrick's Saint Baldrick's Foundation. You can find that on our um, Twitter page. Um, and Steve, why don't you pin that tweet uh, on the top of our Twitter page so everybody can 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 to see. make it an easy find. Yeah. So uh, you know we 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 mentioned it last week, and and folks can travel uh, down to Charlottesville. Uh, it's April. Twelfth, is that right, Docs? Friday, April thirteenth. Friday, April thirteenth. Friday, Friday the thirteenth. Friday the thirteenth. Joanna's not going because she's superstitious about That's that. That's true. Day. Yep, yep. So uh, make sure you don't walk in under any ladders, mm-hmm. cross any black cats. If a if a black cat runs across the street while you're driving down there, do a sharp U-turn and go home, and just <laughs> don't worry about it. Watch it on the video. Yeah, exactly. So I, we'll we'll be Facebook living it. Yeah, I will say that. Um, I had a dream, I think right after we recorded last week, I had a dream that I just shaved my beard and got a haircut just to do it. And then when I when they were done, I was like, oh, no, I forgot about the charity. Oh, so <laughs> and I and I was worried. And then when I woke up, I was I was uh, stressed out when I woke up because I thought I ruined the whole thing. Um, well, if I can tell. I, the listeners, I know you don't have the visual right now, but uh, he definitely still has the beard, and there's plenty, plenty to shave. So it will be, it'll be an event on the 13th. The shaving this, of that beard will be an event. In the tradition of pulling back the curtain, I was trying to tell that story so that you could get away from the mic and actually make that donation. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm, but you I'm didn't make right any now. movement towards. I'm doing the it right now. I'm doing yeah. it right now. So. Uh, that, that is a very worthy cause, uh, near and dear to our heart. Uh, so uh, get out and donate uh, and, and, and head on down to Charlottesville April 13th to see uh, Doc's uh, clean shaved. Oh, can we talk about another event? If, if you can't make it that April 13th, we're going to do our, our uh, Pace the Nation happy hour April 20th 
after the Crystal City 5K. Yes, April 20th. Uh, we, we generally make an appearance at uh, Crystal City at least once, if not multiple times. For I the ran 5Ks. twice last year. So, Did uh, two races, guys. This, <laughs> this group is committed to be there April 20th. So if you're looking at doing any of the Crystal City 5K races, uh, I'd say that April 20th would be a good one to do. Do them all, but April 20th mm-hmm. we'll be there and hang out with us afterwards for happy hour. And there's a there's a 5K in Crystal City every Friday in April. So this year you can do four of them. That's right. Yep. Last year, big bonus, you could do five of them. There was five Fridays in April? I don't even remember Yes, that. there were five Fridays okay. in April last year, which means five races and five beers in one month. This um, year, I think there's still only four. four. Hey, nope, there was five last year. Are you sure? Yeah, I mean, facts don't need to get in the way of oh, a good story. Come on, fine. Mark Twain said that. Not Ben Franklin. I think it was Twain. <laughs> Pretty sure. So I mentioned earlier that there was a race. I said road race, not a road race. This is hardly a road race that nobody mm-hmm. finished. The Barclays Marathon happened. Last week. Barclay Marathons. Barclay Marathons. We've gone through <laughs> this before. Right. <laughs> exactly. Deja vu. Yeah. Go, go back to John Kelly's episode uh, where John Kelly uh, was the winner of that. I, I think it was two years ago, actually. Uh, we've been doing this show for so long, I can't even remember. But he competed again, and there were no finishers. John did not finish either this year at the Barclay Marathons. Why wasn't there any finishers this year? I, I, it, it just... It sounds like that this this race director is so I don't want to say evil mean. <laughs> he he just I mean he makes it so hard on these guys. He t- he relishes in the fact that nobody finishes. So I think that they just make it harder and harder. I, I I'm envisioning him like all year round, like going on the course booby trapping it making things harder and harder <laughs> I, I don't know why they can't finish it especially uh a guy like like john who's who's finished it and won it before uh you know it's 100 miles it's over impossible terrain it's it's basically up a mountain terrible footing they change it they have like different checkpoints where you got to check in and, and you get a map and you get you know disoriented all this stuff so i just think it's really hard to finish that's why nobody finished hmm. So uh, we wanted to, to note that uh, we know that the local, uh, the person who, who runs the Twitter account is local here uh, for the Barclay Marathons. Uh, maybe we can get on her on and, and she can, you know, clarify uh, yes. some, of this, uh, some of this for me. But no finishers this year. Uh, maybe she can answer your question why. I don't know. I, I, think, I think the race director is not evil. He's mean. Could be both. Could be, could be both. Just one last thing. It is embarrassing that I've got this caricature of me sitting in this office for this in this high trafficked area here on Highland Street mm-hmm. for people to walk by and see. And people must think that I've set that up because I have such a massive ego mm-hmm. that like literally this caricature of, of me, six feet tall, sits in this window every single day making it all about me in my uh, three-hour marathon. Yeah, I don't think anybody brought that up. So uh, <laughs> the fact that you just brought that up and had to add that to the show, I kind of feel like there's some credence uh, to I, it. Well, I mean, it was kind of – I thought it was going to be edited out. But, uh, yeah, that's a good point. All right, maybe you are on something, Docs. 
All right, episode 148 in the books. Thanks again to Ben Blankenship for joining us today on Pace the Nation. Give him a follow. He's off to China soon. Uh, you can follow him, Ben F. Blankenship, on Twitter and Instagram. Really good follow there on Twitter and Instagram. All right, I want to thank the, uh, the business across from us that has mm-hmm. turned off their bell. Mm-hmm. I think they permanently turned it off. I think we can say their name for that, right? Yeah. H&R Block. <laughs> <laughs> and she just did. H&R Block. Thank you, H&R Block, for turning off your bell. Joanna Sweet talked them into that last week, and mm-hmm. I just think they've kept it off. Uh, no, I've, I've heard it during the oh, okay. week. All right. Well, they, they uh, know when we're in here to turn it off. All right. Thanks again to Ben. Thanks to you, the listener. April 20th, we will see you at the Crystal City Twilighter 5K uh, happy hour. For Joanny Russo in William E. Docks, I'm Chris Farley. This is Pace the Nation. We'll see you next week. You guys watch Portlandia? I've seen all the episodes, yep. Even the finale? No, I'm a season behind. <laughs> okay. So don't give me any spoilers. Well, I want to spoil it. You really don't want any any anything at all. Nope. Okay. Uh speaking of Rush, what are Rush's best songs? What's your favorite Rush song? Tom Sawyer. Yeah, there we go. Sing I- it. Sing a bar. Ding 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 I'm not even aware of this band. I've never heard of them before. The Limballs. That's a good that's a good poll, Farley. You I think uh I actually recognized the uh bridge that you were also singing. Mm-hmm. Very very proud of myself. I swear to God, I don't understand the science behind uh, cables getting twisted up. I mean, they're just sitting here. Nothing's happening. Nothing's moving. How do these get so twisted? I feel like I should be able to get, like, a, a multi-million dollar grant from the government to study this. The cable thing? The cable thing, yeah. Like, you know, you put a couple of, of uh, phone chargers in your backpack and then you, I know, next thing you, you know. get to the hotel. They're they're tied in knots. It's not possible. I put a bunch of tiny cameras in my backpack. Seems like a good use of your technology. Well, I'm gonna get a grant to study this. Oh, obviously. <laughs>